listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Um, It's going to be a powerful day in God's Word today because here's why. If you came in today and you got one of those note-taking cards Um, you can go ahead and just set that aside. You're not going to need that today, all right? Uh, Yesterday, I taught at our monthly Man Up Breakfast right here. We do it uh, the second Saturday of every month. And I preached a message, or I talked with what God put on my heart called Into the Storm was the title, Into the Storm. And as I had a second message prepared for today, and as I tried to commit to it throughout rehearsal, even this morning, and we rehearsed, make sure our slides were in order, um, God continued to work on my heart, and even during worship confirmed that that was not the right message for today. It's all right, Brooks. He's already getting excited. Give me an amen before we get going. <laughs> um, that's my buddy right there. I like that. I like that key. He's already shouting me down. Um, today, here's what we're going to talk about, into the storm. And so I apologize that you don't have a note-taking card for today. So if you want to, you can take your phone out, or if you have something else to write on, if you have a notebook, go for that. If not... Well, um, man, we have a podcast, we have a YouTube channel, so you can go back and you can watch it, uh, and it'll boost our numbers even more on, online as well. So it's going to be a good two for one. Here's what I'm going to talk about today, into the storm. And here's why God has put this on my heart for this season. And so I know uh, today the plan was, last week was our one-year anniversary. Today was the plan to kind of start diving into, do a deep dive into the vision of Abide Church. What does it mean to live, love, and look like Jesus? And we'll get to that, I think, in uh, the next couple of weeks. Um, but as I always say... Our plan is always plan B here to buy church. And so, yes, we come prepared. Yes, we make plans and preparations. But if God wants to do something else, we say, yes, sir, he's the boss, not us, right? And so today we're going to talk about how do we walk into the storm? And the reason God has put this so um, passionately on my heart is because of um, my wife, Leslie, and, and my, our story just from the past seven months. And so at the end, I want to share a little bit of our story, what we've been through, and how we've learned some things through the trials that we've gone through. Um, and so uh, the reason this is called Into the Storm is because randomly I started following this bison farm on Instagram, okay? That sounds so weird, and I know it is, all right? But they sell jerky. They have really cool, like, T-shirts and stuff. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll give them a follow. I know it's weird. Okay, whatever. Anyway, one of their mottos is Into the Storm, and I thought, oh, that's super cool. What does that mean? And so I started looking up. I got on their website, started looking at it. And one of the things they said is the reason they say that is because the bison that they farm, they have this instinct that whenever a storm, whenever the winds change and a storm begins to roll in, the bison instinct is to not to lay down or to find cover and wait for the storm to pass. The bison instinct is not to run away from the storm out of fear. The bison instinct is to actually square up with the storm and to march into the storm, which is crazy, right? Like it's an animal, but instinctively God gave them this this thought process that, hey, we're going to square up and we're going to march through the storm. And here's what's amazing about it. When you really think about it, what they do is then they they have taken control of the situation. They have not given control to the storm. Meaning this, if they chose to lay down, then when the storm comes in, then they are going to be in the storm as long as the storm wants to rage. They're just going to wait it out. If this storm lasts an hour, if this storm lasts two weeks, if this storm lasts for years, we're just going to wait it out. 
They say, no, we're going to march into it. The other thing is if they ran from it, if you know anything about the storm, the storm is eventually going to catch them, and eventually it's just going to be with them, and they're just going to prolong the season because they are running in fear rather than what? We're going to walk into the storm as the storm is coming in, and we're actually going to eliminate the amount of time that we're going to be in the storm because as we go through it, it's going this way, we're going this way, and so it's going to be the least amount of time experiencing the pain. And so instinctively, they don't try to avoid the hardship but they charge straight ahead to limit the pain they will experience. It's fascinating. But I thought to myself, and just recently what God has been dealing with me and my wife Leslie about is how to be on the offense. And we've talked about this recently here on Sundays, but how do we be on the offense spiritually? God has been working in my heart, revealing to me that there's no place for complacent, reactive, uh, soft, if you want to call it that, Christianity. There's no place for it, especially in 2021. As Jesus gets closer and closer to coming back, there's no place for us to be okay with being lukewarm or to be okay with just reacting to whatever the world or the enemy or the devil wants to do in my life. I can't just sit back and react to it and just say, oh, I hope, hope it doesn't happen or I'm just going to lay down when it happens. I've got to walk into the storm. And one of the perfect examples of this, and again, I'm sorry I don't have slides for you or notes for you, but if you want to take notes, 2 Samuel 23, 2 Samuel 23 in verse 20, there's a story, and in 2 Samuel 23, we lay out uh, all of David's mighty men, and these guys are, these guys are some bad dudes, okay? Like, if you want to, um, if you just want to just read some, some good reading material, these guys are crazy, but this one guy stands out in, in particular, and here's why, Benaiah. 2 Samuel 23, starting in verse 20, it says this. There was also Benaiah, a valiant warrior from Kabzeel. 2 Samuel 23, 20. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. Another time, and this is the key one, on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and he killed it. I mean, what, right? What? What guy in his right mind is doing this, right? Any person sees the lion and runs the opposite way, right? Like, guilty, me included, right? Unless I have some type of huge weapon, but even still, uh, I'm, I don't think I'm going to be chasing the lion. If the lion runs away, that's a bonus. I'm going to go my own way. But he decides, I'm going to chase this thing. And I, not only that, but it's a snowy day. I don't have solid footing. I'm still going to chase it down into this pit, and I will slaughter it there, and I will come out victorious. The mindset of this man is insane. Verse 21, once armed with only a club, he killed an imposing Egyptian warrior who was armed with a spear. Benaiah wrenched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and he killed him with it. This guy, right? There's a story after story of these mighty men. But I love talking about the, 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 the concept of going into the storm. I love the idea of what Benaiah did here. He sees the lion, the threat, and rather than just hiding or laying down and playing dead or rather than running in the opposite direction, he says, no, I'm going to chase the lion and I will catch it and I will slaughter it and I will come out victorious. And as I was diving into this, God just continued to re reveal in my life once again that this is how we must approach our daily walk with God. That as I get up, if a threat opposes me, God's word says that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Well, when the weapon is formed is when I have to make the decision. When the storm comes, whenever the lion comes, whenever what is, whatever it is comes at me, that's my decision. Will I let it prosper or not? 
Will I choose to be on the offense and will I chase the lion? Will I walk into the storm and say, I'm going to remain in control. I'm not going to run in fear. I'm not going to be passive about this. I'm not just going to be reactive about this. And I saw this quote, and I think it was from Mark Batterson. He said this. He said, we have to quit living life as if our purpose is to arrive safely at death. Let me say it again. We have to quit living life as if our purpose is to arrive safely at death. I love that because that's how a lot of people live their life. I work hard. I pray that, uh, you know, we don't get sick. I pray that I don't get cancer. I pray that whatever doesn't happen to me, I'm going to get a good job. I'm going to retire early. And then I'm going to, you know, the last 20, 30 years of my life, I'm just going to hang out. And then eventually I'm going to die. And whoo, I arrived safely at death. But I did nothing for the kingdom of God. I made no impact. And outside of my immediate family, no one will remember my name. Can I tell you, that's not how we're called to live. A couple years ago, or several years ago, Leslie's aunt passed away from cancer. And when she passed away from cancer, what spoke to me the most about her life was that at her funeral, the line of people that wanted to pay respects to her wrapped around the building for hours. And was she some famous person? Did she have a, you know, a million followers on Instagram? No. Okay, it's back probably before that even, before Instagram was really that, that big or that great. No. What did she do well? She served and loved people. Sometimes being on the offense and going out and walking into the storm isn't always some violent action. Like I prayed and this amazing thing took place. Sometimes being on the offense daily is asking, who can I serve today? It's simply saying, today I'm making decision to step somewhere. I'm making a decision to actually live, love, and look like Jesus, which is to serve someone expecting nothing in return. That's a side note. Today, specifically, I'm talking about when the storm comes, how do we be on the, the offense? But we have to quit living our life as if the purpose is to arrive safely. Oh, I survived this life. I can go to heaven and be healthy and whole and happy. Well, God said, Jesus said, to pray that his kingdom would come and be here on earth as it is in heaven. So we need to pray with more expectancy. I need to pray on the offense, not just pray, well, God, keep us safe, help us sleep good tonight, bless my food. What am I doing? Always defensive. Ah, rather than, no, I heard one pastor say it like this, go out today, live your life, and don't go to bed without any blood on your sword, your spiritual sword, your sword of the spirit. Like, did I do some work today against the kingdom of darkness? Or did I just survive and I, I stayed under the, the devil's radar and he didn't see me? That's not necessarily success for today. We're called for more. We're called to be more. We're called to take more ground for the kingdom. The problem is we have a lot of um, capital C, the church, we have a lot of churches that people are filled with it where they're just going and consuming and leaving and because they're doing that, they're just surviving life. They're not taking ground for the kingdom. God says, I need people who will take ground for the kingdom. And Jesus is saying, I need people who will do what I've asked them to do. Follow me. That means do what I do. Talk how I talk. Pray like I pray. If I choose to run away and to avoid the fears and the battles of my life, I will be running and hiding the rest of my life. That's what the bison knows instinctively. 
Sometimes they're smarter than we are in the sense of, I'm not going to run from my fears. I'm not going to run from the wind change. I'm not going to run from the snowstorm that's coming down, the blizzard coming in sideways. No, we're going to walk into it. But so many people, so many Christians say, I'm going to tuck tail and run and see if I can outrun the enemy. And he will catch me or he will chase me my whole life. And guess what? I never took ground because God is saying, go that way, but I'm running in fear this way. I'm actually fighting God. I'm walking in disobedience to him by running in fear. Do you see it? Walking into the storm. C.S. Lewis, he said this. He said, the problem is most people underestimate or they overestimate spiritual warfare. The problem is either people will underestimate spiritual warfare or, or they're going to overestimate it. The problem is we have to find a, or the thing is we have to find a biblical middle ground for spiritual, spiritual warfare because it's taking place. It's taking place. Sometimes spiritual warfare looks like this. God or the enemy is going to let your life get so comfortable that you don't need God for anything, and so you never pray for anything. And guess what? Because you got so comfortable and he allowed your life to be so good, it's like you've just laid down in some green pasture over here somewhere. When we're called to be good soldiers, good disciples that steward the kingdom well. The enemy is tricky. We're going to talk about that in just a second. I'm getting ahead of myself. We underestimate or we overestimate. So we underestimate, meaning this, nothing is a personal attack from the enemy. That's underestimating. Nothing is. So I'm going, I'm living my life, and somebody gets sick. There's, an, there's something that comes against me. Um, uh, man, we just, we feel we're battling depression in a certain season, and nothing is an attack from the enemy. So it's just, well, that's just a season we're in. That's just a part of life. Um, you know, it's going to happen. We live in a fallen world. That's just how it's going to be sometimes. And we underestimate. The problem is when we do that, it would be just like the bison laying down and waiting for the storm to pass. Well, storms are part of life. I mean, storms are going to come and go, right? We live in Tulsa. There's going to be tornadoes from time to time. Hunker down. Get used to it, right? That's underestimating spiritual warfare. I'm just going to wait here, and whatever the storm wants to do, it's going to do. That's a problem. The other problem is that we overestimate, right? Everything is a personal spiritual attack from the enemy. I used this example yesterday. Man, I was late for work every day this week, right? That rotten devil kept hitting snooze on my alarm clock, and he kept. Ma- and then I ran into traffic, and then, man, he just kept, he's just trying to make me lose my job. That, I, devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, right? No, uh, the issue is you're lazy is what the issue is. You're undisciplined. It's not an attack from the enemy, it's you. You're the problem, right? I got to step back. Am I, am I the one causing the issues in my life? Am I the one causing the, the actual issues in my life? Overestimate, underestimate. Where's the middle ground? There's going to be th- things that come at your life that come at your life because, yeah, we live in a fallen world. But if we're really going to deal and find freedom and find victory, I need to deal with things and I need to ask for a discerning of spirits, a spiritual gift. Because sometimes I may be facing something, and I'm just facing it. Man, I just can't get past it, and I just can't get through this battle. I can't get past the season. I keep fighting the same thing. Sometimes I need to step back and ask for Holy Spirit as my helper. One of your gifts is that I have the discerning of spirits. Help me see what's going on here in the spiritual realm. And if I can ask for that, he wants to help me see it. And if I can see it, then I will understand how to deal with it but I've got to ask for it. I've got to take a step back, and I've got to find this middle ground. So the first thing I want to say is this. Well, I've said a lot, but the, one of the things I want to say is this. You have an enemy. 
You have an enemy. Many times I feel like in the modern day church, we're, we're kind of scared to talk about the devil because we don't want to you know, shine a light on him or maybe I don't know why, but we need to talk about him because it's just like any game plan, any war. What general would lead in, into a battle not knowing the flaws of his enemy? Here's their weak spots. Here's where we can beat them. It's the same way with playing sports. There's a game plan. Here's the football strategy. We're going to do this because they are awful here, or this player's not good, so we're going to throw deep passes on them all night, and we're going to score touchdowns. That's what we need to do with the devil. I need to understand how does he work so I can understand how do I defeat him? How do I have victory in my life? How do I have freedom from him in my life? So the devil is a liar and a deceiver. He's real. He hates your guts. He hates your family's guts. He's a liar, and he's a deceiver. Let's talk about his, his character for a second so we know how he works. John 10.10 10 says this, The thief, he does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. If I see those three things happening in my life, steal, kill, destroy, I know what the source is. Well, God, God took my family member because he needed another rose in heaven. No, he didn't. I hate to tell you that. No, he didn't. Jesus never said that. We said that to make ourselves feel better. And hear my heart. I'm not trying to condemn anyone if you've said that in the past. I'm just saying when we read this, we're going to find some truth in here and some life in here, and we're going to see that God is good. Steal, kill, and destroy does not equal good. He's going to come to steal, kill, and destroy. Let me move on here. That's a, diff- that's a whole message in itself. John 8, he is the father of lies, meaning this, it's all he can do. Satan is the father of lies. It's what he, it's all he can do. He can't tell the truth. If he tells the truth, he adds something sneaky with it to try to twist it in your mind. He's the father of lies. First Peter 5.8 says this, that our enemy, he walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. First thing let's talk about is roaring. He's a roaring lion. So if you've, uh, I used this yesterday, but if you've ever seen um, a sports team when they're getting ready for their game, uh, I see these videos of these guys that are like the football team, and they're like, they're like on all fours acting like they're dogs getting ready to come out of the, the tunnel, like the tunnel they're going to run into the field to start the game. And they're making all this noise and all this racket, and they're trying to be intimidating to the other team. But from experience growing, fo- playing football growing up, I remember the loudest teams pregame were usually the worst teams in the game. The loudest teams beforehand were making a bunch of racket and a bunch of noise because they knew when they get between the lines and we got to actually go toe-to-toe, that they're in trouble, that I'm going to kick their butt. And so because of that, I began to realize this is exactly what the the enemy does. He walks around like a roaring lion. He's running his mouth, making all kinds of noise, right, on all fours, acting like a dog, trying to come out of the football tunnel before the game. But guess what? He does that because he knows if if he gets in between the lines with you, and if you have equipped yourself with the armor of God and you know God's word and you know his promises and you've actually suited up for the day, he knows that he don't stand a chance. We, get, we like to say, well, he's some big bad devil somewhere, but he's making all this racket because he's afraid of you. More so, he's afraid of your potential in Christ. He's afraid of your potential in Christ, that if we would actually commit to this, seek after this, believe who we are in Christ so that we could identify his lies, then guess what? He knows he's got nothing. He's already lost. He's already lost. If anything, he's already lost for eternity because someday I'm going to be with Jesus and he's going to be in hell. So yeah, I may face some stuff here on earth, but guess what? Either way, I win. I'm with Jesus. 
I'm good. So, let me, uh, the second thing, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, roaring lion. The second thing is this, whom he may devour. I love that because may shows us that he has to have permission. Seeking whom he may devour. Will I give him the permission to devour me? That's the question. How does he devour people? Isolation. How does a lion hunt? Find the weak one, isolate him, slaughter him. That's exactly what the enemy will do with us. Why is it important to be in church? Why is it important to have a group of believers with you? Why is it important to be consistent with being here by getting involved so people will follow up with you? Hey, I didn't see you at church. Where are you at? What's going on? My dad does an amazing job at that. Maybe if you've missed any time and you're part of this church, you're going to get blown up with emails because we want you to know we missed you here. Why? Because if I go a long period of time without being in church, without being in community with people not even noticing, guess what? The enemy is just getting me out here. So as a roaring lion, he's seeking whom, who can I devour? Weak, isolated, devoured. Do you see it? That's all in his game plan. But if we know how he works, then we can keep from falling into these nasty traps that he sets for us. I can keep from going into these places where he's going to have the upper hand. So the enemy then fights with lies and deception. He fights with lies and with deception. Because once again, He's a deceiver because he knows if he aligns up with me head on, and I've been equipped, I've, I've done my part, and I'm equipped, and I'm ready, he doesn't stand a chance. Going back to the football analogy, when do we see these football teams do all these crazy trick plays? Usually whenever they're desperate, right? Like we are down big time. We just need a breath of life. We need some motivation here. And so what do they do? They go deep into the playbook to a play or a couple plays that they haven't practiced in five or six months. They practiced it once just as like, oh, well, if we ever need it. Well, they needed it, and so they're going to try it just to try to get some points on the board. That's how the enemy constantly lives his life, with trick plays. Why? He can't go toe-to-toe. He can't line up against me. If I walk how I'm commanded and called to walk. The first thing he will do when he comes with lies and deception is in our thought life. He's going to come with thoughts. This may seem elementary, but this is daily. This is daily. He's going to say, who do you think you are? You're not good enough. You're too old. You're too young. You're always going to be sick. Well, this gene, this whatever just runs in your family. It's just a family curse that you're going to have to deal with. It's, it's all of these characteristics that is on your mom's side, your dad's side. You're never going to get past it. One thought at a time. One thought at a time. The good news is he's the father of lies, so all he can do is lie. So when he brings these thoughts, as long as I know what God's word says, then I can identify them as lies. If I don't know God's word, I receive them. If I don't know God's word, I think, well, maybe that is true. That's how this world works. We pass things down to our kids. Maybe I do have that gene that my whatever person had, and I got it, and I'm going to be whatever. Stop. If I am battling something that runs in my family, that's why God calls us to be born again. It's time to change bloodlines. He says, I, can, I want you to be born again so you can be in my bloodline. Guess what? My bloodline doesn't have that junk in it. All right? Side note. Man, I'm getting all over the place today. Bear with me here. Sorry, I don't have notes and I'm just going everywhere. This is why God's word says, take every thought captive. 
The actual translation of that, if you look in the original language, to take something captive would be to take it captive with a spear in its back. That's the actual translation in the original language. So to take every thought captive, what do I do? The lies come in. You're not good enough. You're not called. You're always going to be sick. Well, I identify that with, well, that's not what God's Word says, so that must be a lie. Whenever I bind it by quoting Scripture back to it, I wrap its hands up, and then through prayer and rebuking it, I take my prayer, which is the spear in my armor of God, I put it to its back, and I march it right out of my mind, and I kick its butt on its way out. Get out of here. You don't belong here. God's Word doesn't promise me that. God never gave me depression. So I rebuke those depressing thoughts. I, I rebuke the, the anxiety that's facing me right now. And as I do that, I'm going to find more verses to speak. And so I'm going to march it out. And it doesn't mean it's not going to try to turn around and come right back in. It's not just, oh, well, I did the magic potion, right? I did, the, I did all the, the formula. I'm good to go. No. It's a battle. I'm going to have to do it over and over and over again. i got to speed up here. The devil works with consent and with cooperation. Consent and with cooperation. This is huge. The only way he can defeat you is to get you to agree with him rather than the word of God. Consent and cooperation. All he's asking is, will you give me consent? Will you give me your cooperation? He's asking us to do the same thing that God asks us to do. Will you partner with me? God asks that and the devil asks that. Whose hand am I going to grab? Who am I going to partner with? I choose God. He's powerless against you unless you hand him over the power. Don't give away your victory. This is exactly how he came to Jesus. Lies and deception and with tricks. He came to Jesus and he used scripture. Jesus was tempted by the enemy. And what did, and what did the enemy do? The enemy shows up. He says, well, doesn't, doesn't scripture say? Doesn't it say this? So what's the big deal? And that's exactly how most of the time for people that have been in church who know a little bit of God's word, that's exactly how he will tempt you, deceive you. He's going to come in, and the best, the, the best way that he uses it is he likes to add the yeah, but at the end of the scripture. By Jesus' stripes, we were healed. Yeah, but that's not for you. <laughs> Yours is too big. Yours is too small. Yours is too complicated. Yours is just a part of life. God's word said that he would supply all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Yeah, but your need is pretty specific. Like, I don't know if God really answers prayers like that. Yeah, but. So here's what we have to do. When the yeah, buts show up when I'm reading scripture or when I'm quoting scripture, I have to take every thought captive. I take the yeah, buts captive and I kick them out on the butt, on the way out, right? The other thing is this. If I let the yeah, buts linger, the scariest part is that I will begin to say, the yeah buts. How many times have you been asking someone for prayer, sharing with a friend your story, and you say, I'm just, I know the doctor said this, whatever. Here's our situation. I'm believing this scripture, though. I'm believing God's promise here. And you had another believer come in and say, yeah, but I don't, you know, if it's God's will. This book is his will. <laughs> In 1 John, in 1 John, he says, if you pray according to my will, I hear you. What kind of a twisted father would say, if you pray my will, I hear you and I'll respond, but then not tell us what his will is? That's twisted. 
That's anti-Christ. His will is his word. He says, here's my will. Pray this. I will hear you. I will respond. That's it. (laughs) But I have to believe that in order to do it. The thing is, so yeah, buts come to mind. I kick him out. If I let him linger, I become the mouthpiece for my enemy. God forbid I be the person that someone is standing in faith for a promise from God, and I be the one that say, yeah, but not on my watch. I don't want to answer for that someday. I would much rather get to heaven. And Jesus look at me and say, wow, (laughs) you really believed everything I said in there. Rather than on the other side of it, I get to heaven, I look Jesus in the face, and he says, man, I had so much more for you if you just would have believed what I told you. I'd rather be on the other end. Wow, you really went a little extreme there, didn't you? Yeah, you bet. I'm all in. The last thing is this. You have authority. You have authority. We talk about this a lot. I'm going to make a statement. It's going to sound harsh, maybe blasphemous, but it's not. I'll show you. Praying to God in the face of a demonic attack is a wasted exercise. Bear with me here, okay? (laughs) Praying to God in the face of a demonic attack is a wasted exercise. Here's why. It's too late. God's equipped me to move. Let me show you an example. Exodus 14. Moses is leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. He's freed them. God's freed them. Moses is leading them. They come to the Red Sea. They got a barrier. It's impossible. Well, they turn around. Here come the Egyptians. They're coming to slaughter us. Me, my wife, my kids, my parents are coming to kill us all. They're stuck. What was their first reaction? Lay down and cry to God. <laughs> God, why, did you, why are you allowing this to happen? God, where are you? Why would you free us just to kill us? They're just whining, complaining, right? Before we judge them, though, we've been there too. Here's what God's response to them is. Exodus 14 and verse 15. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? <laughs> we forget that that's part of God's character. Why, why are you crying to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Lift up your rod, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. What does he say? Go forward, son. I promise. I brought you this far. I will not fail you now. I freed you. I will not fail you now. Go forward. Many times we're waiting on a move of God, but God's waiting on a move of man. We talk about this. It's like, a, it's like a seesaw, right? And you've been a seesaw. You go back and forth, back and forth. Well, many times God's done his part, which the first thing is he gave us this. And then he's up in the air and now we're down. And God's up there and he's kicking his legs and saying, man, I could really help if you would do your part. Push off. Move forward. Do what I've, I've asked you to do. What did God say? What did Jesus say? I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be loosed or will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. When it comes to the act of saying no to the enemy, that's my job. He said, I've given you my armor to do some work. I've given you my sword to get some of the devil's blood on it. I've given you, equipped you, made you, given you my authority. I've given you the very spirit that I have that, that dwells with me and in me when I was on the earth as, as well as right now for you. I've given it to you so you could do some work. Is the Holy Spirit not enough? What more can I give you besides me? My power. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
A good sign of spiritual maturity is when I stop begging and pleading with God to do things he's already promised to do. I can quote it, but I'm not begging. I'm not laying down begging because he says, why? I've shown you what to do. Just like a good parent does. Don't lay down and just, what, what are you doing? That's what I do with Gavin. What are you doing? You know what to do. Solve the problem. Let's grow up a little bit. Let's walk a little bit. How do we do this? Ephesians 6.10 says, Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Our strength isn't enough. I have to tap into the authority and the power of God. That's the only way I'm going to walk in victory. It's the only way I can walk into the storm with confidence. Because the truth is, I'm going to walk into the storm. I'm I'm better than a bison. I'm going to walk into the storm and I'm going to calm it. Because that's what Jesus said we could do, right? I'm going to say, get out of here. You know, you're not touching my family, my household, my stuff. No. I'm going to walk into the storm. How do I chase the line? How do I have the confidence? There's five practical, childlike things that we should do. Number one is pray. Pray. James 5.16, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Prayer, the half-hearted prayer, the sleepy prayer, the cross my fingers prayer, the God's a vending machine prayer. Nope. The earnest prayer. Am I earnestly seeking him? He rewards those that diligently seek him. Am I seeking him like that? Or just, hey, when, I, when, when somebody gets sick, then I'll pray. But I haven't talked to God in months. That's bad relationship. The earnest prayer of a righteous person. I need to walk in purity, above reproach. If I do that, what? Wonderful results. Man, God's word is good. That's the second one, the word of God. I need to be reading his word every day. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. We talked about this last week. It's going to go to work in me first. It's going to prune me, cut things out of me. It's going to show me things that don't align with his word. It's going to show me some of those thoughts that I've hung on to from the enemy that are lies that I can now discard and throw away. And now I'm going to go and I can take that, that word of God and I can use it as my sword of the spirit. So it's going to go to work in me first and I'm going to use it now against my enemy. It's the word of God. I have to have it. Number three is church. I need to be in church every week. I understand we go on vacation, whatever. I need to be in church every week. 1 Corinthians 5, 4. You must call a meeting of the church. I will be present with you in spirit, and so will the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Two or more are gathered. Jesus said, God's word says, I am there among you. But he also says, I am with you in Holy Spirit by yourself. God's word doesn't contradict itself. Here's what he means. When you are gathered together, two or more, there's a different there's a different depth to God's presence that is available, that is accessible when we gather together. I must get together. I'm going to show you a few stats. This, this um, statistics were done, I think, four years ago of the American churches, the average American church. You can go throw that first one up there. Out of the people, let's say 100% is the people that call a certain church their home. 60% believe enough to invite someone to their church. Meaning this, they believe enough in the mission of their church. They're passionate about their neighbors, their coworkers, whoever, not going to hell someday. They're passionate enough to invite 60%. I'll give you a heads up. It gets worse from here, okay? 20% believe enough to serve, like actively serving on a volunteer team. 20%. Let's take it a step further. 8% believe enough to give financially consistently. Yeah, we complain why, why the government does such a horrible job taking care of families in need. wonder what the church could do if it was properly equipped to meet some needs. Whoops. 
I'll give you a, a word of encouragement for us. Serving here at Abide Church, we're well over 60% of people that call this place home serve here on our active team. Financially, we are over 50% of people that call Abide Church their home consistently give on a regular basis. So yeah, it's great. We're crushing. We're crushing the average, right? But what would happen if today when I woke up, 60% of my organs said, I'm good to work today. The other 40 said, nah, maybe next week. Where would I be right now? Not here. What if 8% of my organs said, I'm good this week. The other 92%, maybe next paycheck, I'll work. Yet we wonder why the church isn't making a bigger impact. It's making a, it's making a big impact because of the grace of God. But if we would actually do our part a little bit more, and I'm not, again, we're blessed. We are blessed here. We have an amazing community. I'm just saying the, the, the capital C church needs a good kick in the butt every now and then. Amen? We need, we need a kick in the butt. I need a kick in the butt every now and then. But this shows us some things. Oh, I know where I can get better. And if I will, I'm in a partnership with God. I'm in covenant with him. I do my part. He can do his part. And we're going to partner together. Come on, somebody. How do we as a church walk into the storm? It's whenever I do the simple things. I pray. I get in God's word. I'm at church. I'm involved at church. Not just showing up, but I'm involved at church. Number four is worship. Psalms 8, 2. You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. God's word says the, the, the worship of babies and children silences the enemy and it sends him tuck tail going the opposite direction. How much more for us who should be spiritually mature, grown believers in the spiritual realm, how much more for us if we would choose to worship rather than to worry? I can, if I will choose to worship, I can walk into the storm. Worrying is laying down in the storm. The last one is this. Number five is praying in the spirit. I need to pray in a heavenly language. I need to pray in the spirit on a daily basis. Again, Acts 1-8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. If you have questions about that, man, I'd love to talk to you. I've also, I've also done messages about that in the past. I need to pray in the spirit. I need to pray in the spirit. God's word says, the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. God has called us to be like David's mighty men. Mighty men, mighty women. What does that mean? When the lion roars, we are called to chase the lion on a snowy day into whatever pit, whatever pit of hell he tries to go back into to find him there and to slaughter him there and come out victorious. Amen? That's what I'm called to do but I got to make some decisions to do it. I'll wrap up with this. Seven months ago, I'll go back. I have a seven-year-old son, me and Leslie. We've been believing for more kids for five and a half years, six years now. Been trying. Every doctor, we've been to all the specialists, right? They basically have told us we're a mystery. Thanks. Um, Thanks for that confidence. Good thing it's not in you and it's in this, huh? Uh, seven months ago, we got a positive pregnancy test. It's more like 10 positive pregnancy tests because we couldn't believe it. We had the answer in our hands. Leslie's first doctor's appointment, we found out that she, her numbers weren't right. There's, I'm not going to get all the details, but it was a failed pregnancy. We lost the baby. 
A month ago, we had another positive pregnancy test. And uh, very similar situation. At the first, at the first uh, doctor's visit, they let us know, hey, this is trending towards another failed pregnancy. And the first time we went through this, it was a sucker punch. I got hit hard. I could be honest with you. I laid down spiritually for two weeks or more. I was just in a fog. Depression was, was that spirit of depression was, man, it was, mm, it was trying to get on me. And I let it get on me a little bit. I didn't realize how much God taught me through all that. He didn't cause it to hear me. He used it. Because the second time, when I got that report on a Friday, and that Sunday I got up, and no one in here knew that I, we were facing that negative report, but I preached on how we have covenant rights to healing that Sunday. Because it don't matter what the doctors say. Is my faith in them or is it in this? But on Tuesday, we got the report that, that it was a failed pregnancy. Does that mean that God's word is not right? No. No. That's a different message, but here's what I want to share with you today. I was, it knocked me down for a few days this time. But both me and Leslie, as we prayed, as we got healing, as we surrounded ourselves with faith-filled people, God told us one thing. Get up and keep moving. Get up and keep moving. Why? Because if the enemy knows that every time he touches me or my family, if I'm going to lay down for two or three weeks at a time, what will he do? He's going to touch my family every two or three weeks. If he knows every time the wind changes and that storm comes and I just get over here and I just lay down fetal position, well, hope it's not too bad this time. He's going to keep sending storms. So I will stay laid down. If he knows that I'm going to turn tail and I'm going to run the opposite direction, he's going to keep sending storms. But God showed me in this, and this is why if I come across angry or passionate today, it's not that. It's just that it's burning in me that we have an enemy who can be defeated when we do our part. And so when the storm rages, God said, get up and move forward, son. Is it easy? No. Are you still facing it? Yeah. But I'm with you. I'm for you. My promise is still true. My timing is still perfect. I am still good. Don't believe the, uh, the lies of the enemy who will make you point fingers at everybody but him. Use the authority I've given you. Get up. Keep moving. And guess what? Do I have the answer yet? No. But we will. <laughs> and here soon, I promise you, I'm going to get up here and I'm going to share it. We'll be up here together and we're going to share that message. And was it easy? Oh, it must be perfect. You know, it's easy to get up here and preach a message like this. But sometimes you got to go through some stuff so that it becomes real to you. Because I believed this stuff growing up, but when did it become real? When I had to go through some trials and my joy, my faith was tested. Did God send it? No. But just like for Joseph, he took what was meant to harm him and he used it for his glory. And if we will not lay down, not run, but take a lesson from some bison. <laughs> if we will square with the storm, even when it's coming down sideways, and if I will walk into it, God says, I will be with you. I'll give you the strength. 
and we'll find victory together. You have an enemy, he's a liar, he's a deceiver. You have authority though, like Jesus, use it. Charge the storm, chase the lion, make the devil wish he never touched you. Let's change our mindset to this. We are not the hunted, we are the hunters. The lion may roar and it sounds bad. Who may he devour? Guess what, I chase lions for a living. That's what I'm called to do. I chase the lion. I go to that pit, I slaughter him, and I come out victorious. All because I'm so great? No, just because I believed what God said I had access to. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are good. You are worthy. You are good. You do good. God, we're just honored to be a part of your family. God, today, I just thank you that today we believe encouraged. No matter how bad the storm is right now in our lives, no matter how loud the, the lion is roaring in our ear, I pray that you would give us through the power of the Holy Spirit boldness to move forward, boldness to go into the storm, boldness to chase the lion, not in our own strength, but in your strength. And as we do that, God, I pray that you would be with us, that you would comfort us, that you would give us peace in the battle. And I thank you that as we experience the victory that is already ours, as we experience the victory in your timing, I thank you that we will give you glory for it. We will praise it. We are gonna share the story of what you've done in our lives, not how great we are. Look at how great our God is. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out abidechurch.com.